It was a long flight in stasis on my way to get an experimental treatment. I was being transferred to a remote planet, MLS-32, as a participant in a new study. I was super excited, being one of the first to receive a revolutionary new technology. There were neuroscientists here who claimed to have developed a chip that goes into the human brain. A chip that has the power to help not only provide access to the largest compendium of human knowledge that ever existed, but also rewire and cure many ailments the user could be dealing with. The possibilities were limitless. An interconnected network of human life and thought. I really think this is a unifying technology to bring us together, share and solve problems as a species. There were several other participants with me on this flight. They were less interested in the network aspect of this and more for the curative. A couple I spoke to were dealing with a chronic illness that affected them their entire lives. At least one person was terminal, and I really hoped the technology could help them. I was released from the stasis chamber, groggy, disoriented, and a little bit sick. It wasn't typical for anyone other than seasoned employees of the company to be making these types of flights. A medical assistant helped me to a bathroom where I retched violently. There wasn't much to throw up, though. There was a stabilizing serum that every traveler was required to take. It was absorbed naturally by the body in most cases, except for mine. It was worth it, though, including the 97-day travel time where I would be asleep. I looked up. A screen giving me pertinent information about the day, time, and current planetary conditions. It was May 29th, 2153. The colony below was one of the largest in the expanded human network. I had come from Earth, which was very heavily populated. This particular settlement was reaching that point as well. They were constantly expanding, creating a sprawling network of living, shopping, and of course research stations. Science and technological development was always first and foremost the goal of the company colonization. Their contributions to human knowledge truly fascinated me. I guess that's why I had to be here, given a rare opportunity to be part of the enhancement of human life. As my stomach started to settle, I was led away from the medical bay into a locker where my clothing was stored. While on stasis you were required to wear suits that monitored your health and life signs. The people managing the transfer ship had cleaned and folded all of my clothing neatly inside of the metal container. I took them and slipped into a changing room. General air of excitement began to grow as people overcame their exhaustion and nausea associated with the stasis flight. We may have all been there for different reasons, but we were all happy to be there. The ship we traveled on was not very glamorous. I guess since we would all be asleep for most of the flight, there was no need to dress it up in any sort of luxury. We would be transported down to the colony via a shuttle the same day. We piled into a small craft, which was fitted with some rigid seats with bodily restraints. To call it Spartan would be giving it far too much credit. We entered an entry trajectory that the shuttle was designed for. The compensators for the atmospheric entry kicked on, but the ride was not particularly comfortable. As we broke through the initial layer of clouds, though, I completely forgot about the discomfort. Glancing out of a port-side window, I marveled at the colony. Every part of it lit up, built to sprawl the surface of the mostly hostile planet. 
There was a kind of beauty about it. Humankind building, advancing. The end result, an achievement that can serve everyone. We docked shortly after in one of the main bays of the colony in the research and development section. We were greeted by several of the lead research personnel who personally thanked each one of us for being a part of the study. We were led to a small auditorium where the director of the research team spoke to all of us at once. Welcome to all of you, they began. The journey that you are about to embark on will revolutionize the human body in ways that have never before been seen. You are now a part of the work of hundreds of dedicated scientists, engineers, doctors, to create an interface with the human brain that will be the turning point in human evolution. Not by nature, but by the true ingenuity of humankind. We are making this leap. For some of you, this is an opportunity to be a part of something great. For others, this is going to be a cure for something you have been struggling with. Regardless of your reasons for being here, we welcome you. Welcome into our work. Welcome into our home. Welcome to our family. The director smiled wide at the last remark, truly emphasizing to all of us that we are a part of something much larger than ourselves. We were all a family, family bonded by this great leap into the unknown and to become something greater than we once were. Before I send you off to your quarters to get settled in, I wanted to introduce you to someone special, the director went on. Angela? He raised his hand, motioning for someone out of sight to join him on the stage at the podium. A young woman entered. She had long hair and was smiling ear to ear. She looked nervous, but excited to be up there. Angela, why don't you introduce yourself, the director said. Sure, um, hi everyone, she said, with a little shakiness in her voice. She raised her hand to wave at everyone. Several of us waved back encouragingly. Uh, my name is Angela. I've been here about a month now. I had my install about two weeks ago, she said. Some in the audience gasped at the news. This was the first person to receive the implant. Indeed she was, because at these words she lowered her head, pulling back her hair. There was an ever so small incision that was healing in her scalp. If she hadn't pointed it out, we might never have known it was there. About a month ago, I arrived at this colony. A little bit nervous. This was a new technology after all. The company took such good care of me. This was really important because when I first arrived, I was blind, she said. Several people in the audience had audible reactions to this. Some put their hands to their mouths in surprise. I can see now, thanks to these people. I can see better than you, probably, she smiled, and several people in the audience chuckled. This changed my life. I'm so happy that you're here so this technology can help you as well. Everyone applauded then, and Angela smiled wide. The director approached the podium once again, also clapping for her. He motioned for her to leave the stage, and she waved as she left. Everyone, let's give Angela another round of applause, he said into the microphone. Several people stood then, enthusiastically cheering Angela, who really was a pioneer. Angela waved again emphatically, leaving the stage and the room. The director addressed the room again. 
I hope everyone is looking forward to the times ahead. Thank you again to all of you. Our employees will show you to your rooms. If you need anything at all before your install, please let any of the staff know. We are at your disposal, he finished. Several employees came in and started ushering people out. Several desks had been set up outside to organize the distribution of rooms. I was given a keycard and directions to where I would be staying. The room was shockingly large, considering I was in a colony. I had never heard of the company providing such extravagant accommodations to anyone, even their executives. I slept better than I had in years, the room perfectly climate-controlled, on the most comfortable bed I had ever slept in. There was room service in the morning, a beautifully cooked breakfast with more food than I could ever eat on my own. The waiter who delivered it was very polite and thanked me for being there as they left. It really made me feel comfortable knowing the company cared so much for our well-being. After breakfast, I was shown the way to the surgical wing where I would be having my install done. I was so excited I had a hard time hiding it. The doctors welcomed me graciously to the wing and congratulated me on being selected for the program. They said I would be put under anesthesia for the procedure, but otherwise it was perfectly safe. Surgeons all donned their sterile garb, repairing all of their various instruments around me. The anesthesiologist inserted the needle into my arm and I was given instructions to count down from ten. I didn't even get past six and the blackness of the anesthesia took me. From that point, I didn't remember anything else about the install. My body felt incredibly weak. I could only just barely move my arms and legs. I blinked several times, clouds and fog drifting from my vision. There was a general sense of chaos around me. The surgeons seemed to be running around the room. Several were trying to barricade the door. The anesthesiologist was there watching me as I was coming too. She's awake, he shouted. Two of the doctors came over to me, concern painted on their faces. Do you know who you are and what you're doing here? They asked. I, I started to speak, but could barely find my voice. I'm here for my install, is it done? The doctors looked at each other apprehensively. Yes, yes, it's done. But something has happened, they said. Can you sit up? With the help of one of the nurses, I was able to get up in bed. They were looking me over, checking my vitals, but not really explaining what was happening. There was a pain in my head, a pain so intense it was causing my vision to blur. I moved to rub my head with my hand, but one of the doctors grabbed me by the wrist. Don't touch it, they said suddenly, then considered for a moment what to say next. It will get infected. Suddenly, there was a slamming noise against the door that the other surgical team members were barricading. I tried to stand from the surgical bed, but was held down. Wait, they said. Something has happened. We don't know if we have a lot of time here. I looked at them quizzically. What do you mean something has happened? I asked. A breach in the network. Some sort of virus has contaminated the implants. It's caused everyone to go crazy, they explained quickly. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. How could this be happening? A virus driving people crazy through the implant? How is this even possible? 
I asked, my voice rising, rising louder than I typically expected from myself. I got up then, shrugging off the two doctors who were holding me down. They backed up away from me then, faces filled with fear as they did so. I couldn't understand what they were afraid of. There was a washing station on the far side of the room. I made my way to it. My body felt strange as I walked, as if I didn't know how to control my arms or legs anymore. I moved closer to the washing station, several mirrors reflecting my image back to me as I approached. Only, I didn't quite recognize who I was looking at anymore. I was in front of the mirrors now, looking at this figure reflected in the image in front of me. Only, it wasn't me. Tears streamed from my eyes as my hands went to my face. Half of my skull was gone, replaced by some sort of metal plate. Exposed wires were coming out in different directions. My cheekbones and upper jaw were exposed to the air. I looked like a skeleton, mutilated and transformed into some sort of mechanical nightmare. I screamed then, uncontrolled and wailing. I turned to the doctors who were still by the surgical bed. What have you done to me? I screamed at them. The door burst open then, and several of the other study subjects poured into the room. They were completely mad, faces contorted into painful expressions of uncontrolled rage. They had also been modified, metal showing where the surgery had been performed on their skulls. They all looked as if a different procedure had been performed on each of them. The test subjects went after the surgical crew immediately, overwhelming them instantly and tearing them apart. It wasn't like they were content with striking them with fists or objects. They were intent on tearing them apart, the surgical team, a piece at a time. The surgical room turned into a scene of gore, test subjects in all directions, leaving no survivors. As they rose from the floor, leaving their victims where they lay, several of them came over to me, faces still contorted in expressions of pure madness. I could hear them quietly speaking to me, only their mouths weren't moving. It was like a whisper coming through my ear and the mechanical components on the side of my head. It grew louder and louder till I clapped my hands to the sides of my head, desperate to drown out the noise. Only the noise couldn't be stopped. It wasn't a sound. It was being fed to me through the network connection to the others. I lost control then, the whispered instructions from the others to my implant taking over my body. I moved then without control, a mind trapped in a possessed shell that used to be my body. In a security room, one floor above the surgical and experimentation rooms, a security officer sat alone looking over his computer monitors. He was able to see the surgical rooms and the various interconnecting hallways. There was usually nothing to see, so he lounged back in his chair, waiting for his shift to finally end. That's when he saw it, one of the patients in surgery, grabbing the doctor working on them and slamming their head into one of the surgical lamps. The security officer blinked and rubbed his eyes, not sure what he was seeing. The other members of the surgical team tried to get away, but they couldn't. Then an alarm rang in through the radio, followed by several voices who were panicked. There's been a breach! Seal all the security rooms! 
The security guard hit the red button to seal all the doors to the security checkpoint. Several large, heavy doors came down over top of the standard pathways. He breathed deeply, feeling a sigh of relief as the heavy doors came down. Except, that's when he saw movement in the corner of his eye. He turned suddenly, trying to track down what it was. Then a figure stepped out from behind a wall in one of the security offices. They were one of the test subjects, face dripping with blood from where their skull had been removed and a large piece of metal replaced. Their mouth was open at an odd angle. It wasn't drooping, but rigid, as if the person was stuck in a constant and perpetual state of pain. He drew his pistol then, pointing it right at the test subject. Stop right there, he said in a stutter. On your knees, hands on your head. The test subject didn't move. A moment passed and no change happened. Can you hear me? He shouted, on your knees. As the words rang out, a loud booming noise echoed off the walls and the room shook suddenly. The lights all went out, throwing the security checkpoint into darkness. Hey! He shouted, but no one responded. Fumbling on his belt, he found a small flashlight and flicked the switch to generate the beam of light. It shone where the test subject had been standing, but they were no longer there. He swung around frantically, trying to find the test subject. They were nowhere to be seen. He spun on the spot, and the sudden appearance of the test subject caused him to drop the flashlight. They were right behind him, maybe an inch from his face. He tried to raise his pistol to shoot the test subject, but it was too late. They were already on top of him, gunshots ringing out, bullets hitting the walls and ricocheting uselessly. A voice in his ear then, shrill and electronic. The noise was indecipherable, shrill and pierced his eardrums. Then a blow to his head caused everything to go black, never to return to consciousness. The test subject rose from the security guard, making their way to his desk. They swept their hands adeptly across the security controls, releasing the lockdown. As the doors rose, a large group of test subjects stood in the pathway, ready to pour through. They rushed in, ready to find their next victims, ready to take over this colony for their own.